The scripture that we're going to read together out loud is found here in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Read aloud with me. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw with your true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Father, again, we thank you for your words. And as, as we open up the book of Revelation, Lord, we ask you to settle our minds let the world fade away and let us just focus upon you and your Holy Spirit speaking to us. So individually, but also as a family in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. Revelation chapter six, please open up your Bibles. Now, for some, you're hoping that I'm going to get through chapter 6. And for most, they know that's going to be impossible for me to get through chapter 6. I certainly contemplated only doing the very first two verses. We might be still only getting through two verses, but the goal is for the first eight verses. As we look at Revelation chapter 6, just remember if you're just joining us and catching up, you can certainly go back and catch the other teachings because chapter 6 and on will not make sense to you until you have the foundation of chapters 1 through 5. If you remember in chapter 1, it covers the things which have seen prior to the church age. Then in chapters 2 and 3, it covers the 2,000 years of the church age. All of chapters 1, 2, and 3 is seen on earth. That's the scene. Then we move to chapters 4 and 5, and that scene then changes to the scene in heaven. It was all heavenly things. We saw the church raptured and is in heaven at that point and is now surrounding the throne. Why? Because the church, we are not appointed to God's wrath. And so here the church is in heaven. We see the, the living creatures. We see the, the elders that are in the, other, the thrones there. And we see the throne that is full of praise and worship. And who are we all worshiping? The Father and the Lamb, the Son of God, Jesus himself. But then we saw as we're transitioning in chapter 5 to chapter 6, something very important happened. The Lamb, the Son of God, the, the, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, who is worthy to take the scroll out of the right hand of the Father. The title deed, that will, that testament of the future, of, of, of the whole entire existence of mankind in the universe. All Right there, is going to, we're going to see it all play out here as he opens the scroll as we start here in chapter 6 looking at and seeing what we call the tribulation time. A seven year period of time and now we see here in chapter 6 and 7 we now move the scene to earth. We're no longer going to be looking at what's happening in heaven but what's going to be really truly happening on the earth. 
We will see eventually in chapters 8, the first part, we go back into the scene of heaven, the first five verses of chapter 8. Then we come back to the scene on earth in chapters, the remaining of chapter 8 through 14. Then we go back to heaven in chapter 15. And then we come back to the scene on earth in chapter 16 and continuing. All of this is important to understand as you follow and read through. You can sometimes, if you're not sure and you're not watching, when we're talking about heavenly scene versus an earthly scene. Today, in chapter 6 and 7, we're only talking the first part. It's all about what is going to take place here on this earth when Jesus opens the scroll. We're taking the very first four of seals of the seven. The four horse of the apocalypse is seen here in these verses. That's why we will take just the first eight verses and focus in on that. Lord willing, unless the Lord comes back for us, we will take the rest of chapter six next week. Let us read here the first eight verses so you can get your mind focused in context here. Revelation chapter 6, verse 1. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, this is Apostle John, remember John's hearing, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, the very first of the four, a white horse, he who sat on it, had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went out conquering to conquer. Verse 3, when he opened the second seal, when Jesus opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come and see. Another horse, fiery red, the red horse of the second of the four here, went out and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth. And that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. Now we see in verse 5 this third seal. When he, Jesus, opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. Verse 7, we see now the fourth seal. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was Death. And Hades followed with him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. Now as we look at these verses, these are pretty heavy, and you can understand why, and not you, because you have been growing and maturing in through the scripture. And as now we come to the last book that we're studying here of the, of the Bible, we find that you're prepared and ready and understand who God is, right? You understand the, 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 who Jesus is. You understand the characteristic of God. You're not afraid to hear this last book. Many today, they don't study the book of Revelation. The churches are not studying the full counsel of God. So when you talk about end times, it really freaks people out. And they choose not to want to come. They don't want to hear. They figure avoidance is the best way to not have to deal with the, the emotions of, or deep within knowing they're not ready for the rapture. 
I mean, that's being really just blunt, a little bit blunt to you guys. And again, it doesn't apply to you because you're here. But many do not want to hear this. They don't want to hear of, the, of, of tribulation. They don't want to hear of destruction. They can't understand these things. That's why chapters 1 through 5 sets the stage for why now the full justice of God. We saw the grace of God. Now we see the just God that we will see in chapter 6 that is going to pour out the wrath not on the bride, not you and I, not believer, but on the rejected world, of the, the world that has rejected Jesus. And out of his grace, even through this, he's going to lead people to Christ. Even through the tribulation. But you don't have to today, because you live, you do not have to go through the tribulation. Why? Because you can become a believer today if you're not a believer. I'm not talking just say you're a Christian. I'm not saying you're just, just pretending because you've been around and you come from the Bible Belt and you blah, 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 and came from the family who, who, who my grandparents were really godly. Your pa- grandparents, as much as they would like to save you, can't save you. Your parents, as much as they're godly and they're following Christ and you see them just, just loving and serving God and obedient to God and just pleasing God and all the things they say, they can't, as much as as parents would love to save our children, we can't save our children. As much as we'd love to save our grandbabies, we can't save our grandbabies. But we can be light and salt for our family. We can, through our lives, cause people to be drawn to God because they see God living boldly within your life. What you say lines up with what they read and what they hear and they watch you in your private time and in your public time. You're the same person who loves Jesus and obedient to his word. That's what draws people, even complete strangers who don't even know will be drawn to you and giving you an opportunity to give the hope that is in you. Now as we take a look at these, The bulk of the book of Revelation covers what Jesus called the tribulation. He said the tribulation in Matthew 24, verse 21. And it is the future seven-year period that includes various judgments, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven bowls, that will be opened and played out to bring judgment on this world. Now, it is a time when God will finish his discipline of Israel, his people, and finalize his judgment of the unbelieving world. And once these increasingly devastating judgments begin, which we see will begin here in chapter 6, they will happen quickly. We see that in Matthew 24, verse 22. And, when, and then right after that quickly, after that seven-year period of time, Jesus will come back, his second coming, and put his feet on the Mount of Olives and will rule and reign from Jerusalem from that point on. But who's with them? You, saint. You. You and I will come back and rule and reign with him. Are you with me? Now, as we look at this, at these, these verses, there's a, these, these, these phases that we will see, I'll call them phases, phases of judgments that is recorded by John with further insight and in things that we'll see because we can see things now clear today in what's going on in our current events and what has happened and what we see is already planned and everything else. Many things that you would not have understood back in the 40s or the 1800s and the 1700s and the 60s, you wouldn't have understand how this could happen. But we're living in these end times. And we see the things that were prophesied in the Old Testament are live and well and have been fulfilled in today's age. You must go back and read Ezekiel 
Ezekiel, especially there in 36, 37, and 38, because we're into going into 38. And when you look at those countries, we see them all lining up today going against Israel. Have you read the news here recently? Have you watched the news at all, please? Could you at least, I, I never say this to you, but I'm going to say it to you today. Can you turn on whatever newscast, because all of them are carrying it now. What happened on Saturday? Or Shabbat? Or the holy day for Israel? Their enemies have breached their walls and, and world war is going on. Why do I say world war? Because world war is a compromising of more than one to two countries. When more than one are involved, that's where you have that world war kind of a thing. But we see the Hamas and Hezbollah and Iran and, and signs that even other countries involved in assisting have breached and are now in, in our, our, the nation of Israel is under attack that they haven't seen in 50 years. Why is that important? When you see these things, when you see these things, wars and rumors of wars, and you see Israel becoming attack, it's that fulfillment of Ezekiel 38, as we see brewing. So when we take a look at this, also note for your reading pleasure that the, there's a clear parallel between Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 through 14, and here in the chapters of Revelation, chapters 6 and 7. Look and read both of those as you go through on your reading plan. Now in Luke 21, 28 says, Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your, your heads because your redemption draws near. Jesus is going to redeem us. He is coming to take not just only you, but remember, he purchased the land that we dwell in, the universe. He's got the scroll. He's starting to open it. He's ready to, start, he's ready to purge all those who go against him and his people. And we're going to see that play out here. Uh, in this. But remember, the church comprised of all who trusted in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ by faith and faith alone. We were all raptured by this time. They're not present here in chapter 6 and going on. We are not present during the tribulation. It's a pre-tribulational approach to the eschatology of the study of end times. And that's what we believe here. The church will be removed from the earth in an event called the rapture. Go back and read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. But also 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 53. See, in this way, the church is saved from the wrath to come. Where do we see that? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. It says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you saved this morning? That's a personal question you must ask. Have I, am I been born again? Did I give my life to Jesus Christ by faith? And receive him into my heart. To seal me for eternity. To save me. Have you? It's so important that we dwell on those beautiful things. Because if you're saved, you should be celebrating every day. Every time you wake up, Lord, thank you. I'm so thankful and grateful. I have a hope and a promise this day. Whatever comes, Lord, you're in control. You're my Lord. I just walk pleasing to you. See, understand, throughout Scripture, tribulation is associated with the day of the Lord. That's another term you will hear, the day of the Lord. It's that time during which God personally intervenes into the history to accomplish His plan for this world. You go back, and I'll give you some Scriptures. It's important that you study these things. Isaiah 2.12 Isaiah 13, 
verses 6 through 9. Then we jump over to a book that you probably haven't been in a long time, Joel. Go to Joel chapter 1, verse 15. In chapter 2, verses 1 through 31. Read chapter 3, verse 14. When's the last time you've been in Joel? Well, if you're doing the seven-day plan, you, you pray it every year you've been reading it. 1 Thessalonians 5.2. So this is not a one-time thing in one book that we're talking about here. It is referring to tribulation in the latter days. The great tribulation you sometimes will hear refers to the second half of the seven-year period of tribulation when things get even more intense in regards to judgment. And we will talk about that when we get to the scripture there. But it is a seven-year period of time, a time of distress that we see referred to in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. It's a time of distress. It's also referred to as the time of Jacob's trouble, Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7. So sometimes people will get confused with these different terminologies or different uh, names for the same thing about the time of tribulation. And we have this description of the tribulation that presents the day of the Lord. And it's very clear. Zephaniah, when's the last time you were in Zephaniah? Chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and, and battle. You, you can see that that was prophesied. It is now going to be fulfilled. We see the signs that are happening today. We're just a moment away. I don't know when. I don't need to know when. I don't. Because I'm ready now. See, I don't ha you don't have to worry about any future events when you're already ready now. When you have a different view and say, I don't want God to come back. I, not yet, not now, because i got things to do. I, gotta, I have to accomplish things. Or I have to get my life right. I've got to get things settled. I know what I'm doing that's not pleasing to God. And I don't want him to come back in this moment. Because what would happen if he came back at this? But that's the Spirit of God steering you up to get you to not wait any longer to surrender all to him. As a believer, it's been paid for. You're no longer ball, balls and chains. There's nothing holding you back to move on away from any sin. Why? Because the more you focus on the Lord, the more you walk with Him and talk with Him and praise Him and worship Him and, to, and be about doing His business. Whatever He's called you to do to be that witness to, to the lost and to encourage those in the faith, the more you move in His direction, the things of this world, the things of flesh and stuff, they just fade away. How do you overcome the drug problem? It will fade away if you just focus on the Lord. How do you overcome any of the fleshly things? They'll fade away if you just keep focused on the Lord daily. It's a daily walk, my brothers and sisters. The disunity, the struggles and the conflicts and stuff, be very, very careful as we study here. Be you cannot allow that to happen as a believer, to have disunity among believers, let alone your family of believers. Not a good sign if there is. But tribulation will be marked by various divine judgments, celestial disturbances, natural disasters, and terrible plagues. We will see that in chapters 6 through 16. And it, but it is only by his mercy and by his grace, God sets a limit of the duration of that tribulation. It's seven years. And as Jesus said in Mark chapter 13, verses 19 and 20, For in those days there will be tribulation, such 
as has not been since the beginning of the creation which God created until this time, nor ever shall be. That's the time he's talking about right here. What's the purpose? What's the purpose of the tribulation? Because some people don't say, well, can we not have tribulation? Can't we just continue to live our lives like the way we are? Because I've really got a good life. I've really figured it all out. I've got money. I've got all the resources. I've got all my people. I choose to friends that I want. And, and I, don't, I, I get to know no big disturbances. I've got my health. I'm, I'm right at my prime of my, health, my age. Can everything just freeze just like that? <laughs> You're not living in reality. The purpose of tribulation we see is clearly given to us in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. That reveals the purpose and the time of the tribulation. So we do have a sense of when. This passage speaks of the 70 weeks that has been declared against your people. Who's your people that he's referring to? Daniel's people are the Jews. The nation of Israel. Daniel chapter 9 verse 24 speaks of a, t- a period of time in which God's purpose is what? To finish the transgression. To make an, heir, to, to make an end of sins. To make reconcile, a reconciliation of iniquity. To bring an everlasting righteousness. To seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. So there's a purpose and a plan of God's plan to bring this fallen world, the ones that rejected him in the Garden of Eden, to bring it full circle back into an ideal state. Because right now we're in a state of chaos. The law of entropy is true and real. Starts with an ideal state, goes into the state of chaos, but unless you do something to bring it back into the ideal state, it just continues to be in chaos. So let me give you a real quick, because we've got to move on here. Can you see why I'm going to probably get through the first two verses? You cannot change your life. If you find yourself in a state of chaos right now, mentally, spiritually, or physically, you cannot continue to do what you're doing and expecting different results. You must, you must surrender to Christ. You must seek his wisdom. And you must make changes. That's called repentance in, from a spiritual perspective. You must repent. And you must come to him and give him, you know, let him give you wisdom to how to change that life. Now, what are the signs that we're going to see? Let me give you the, the six things that you're, you're going to see played out here in the scripture and you're seeing it out in real time today. The first sign is a great deception is going to come upon this world. It will come upon, after the rapture, it will be even more deception will come upon. Why? Because deception is how the Antichrist is going to, and the world leaders are going to control the people who are left behind. Is there's a, this, the, 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 Satan is going to give the power of being able to bring deception over people, and they're not going to be able to see truth. Do you see a, dis- a spirit of deception today? Come on, please. please. I, 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 you got to be an amen in there because if you're not, then you need and I need to talk afterwards because if wrong is right and right is wrong today. Every aspect of God's design from marriage to male and female to every aspect of life Satan has twisted and changed it in a matter of when? We're talking in just a very short period of time. Think about the short period of time, how everything radically changed. Why is that important? I'm bringing to light because that is a sign that we see in the scripture. When these things happen, it will happen what? Quickly. 
Women understand this. When you have birth pains, beginning, it was like, oh, I, yeah, I, I think I'm pregnant. Yeah, I'm pregnant. Yeah, I'm, oh, wow, I got a, I got a belly. Now, now I know I've gotten pregnant because I can't move here. But when the pain comes, you go, oh, honey, I don't think your Mexican, rest, your Mexican food you made me tonight settled with me very well. No, I, we didn't have Mexican food. That was a week ago. You might be having Braxton Hicks. It's the signs of the beginning of the actual what? Contractions. When you see these things that we see in the news today, these are what? Braxton Hicks's. Labor's going to happen if you're ready or not. Are you with me? Because they're going to happen. That's not an if. It's just when. So we see deception will happen. We see the second sign will be wars and rumors of wars. Do we not see that? We see three famines are going to, or diseases, or pestilence and diseases. Number four, so deception, wars, famines. Famines always are a result of war. Why? Because nothing's being produced. So now there's a famine. There's, you know, there's a scarcity. There's not food available. There's no wheat. There's no grains. All these things that make these foods that you just love so much and I love so much. Uh, Panera. Um, let me focus. So famines and then pestilence and diseases follow that. Why? Because people are now malnutritioned. They're not healthy. Things are not right and good. So pestilence and diseases come. Then natural disasters, meaning earthquakes will occur. They'll be frequent. They'll become more intense. The tornadoes, all those are natural disasters. They're, we've always had earthquakes, Pastor. I know that, but look how the increase in the number and the intensity and places that are happening that never have happened before. Are you with me? If you're watching, you should see these things. And then lastly, slaughter of the righteous. The increase of people who love Jesus, they're being persecuted. And do we see that happening across this world, the persecution of the saints? Yes. When you see these signs, worldwide outpouring of God's judgment will begin. The tribulation will begin. With the breaking of the very first four of the seven seals and the releasing of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And so now we get to Revelation chapter 6 verse 1 and let's get, let's get through this here. Now I saw when the lamb opened up, opened one of the seals and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, come and see. And I looked and behold a white horse who sat on it had a bow, that means a weapon, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering to conquer. So when we looked at the previous, obviously the chapter, we saw that Jesus took the scroll who is worthy, and the thing that he took the scroll for is to, to now to open up these seals one at a time. But before he opened it, notice his attention, uh, John's attention is drawn to, to not only to come and see, but to hear what the living creature, because we see the four living creatures, the, the cherubims are going to play a role. Each cherubim is going to make that announcement. And so the first cherubim, and you can go back to Ezekiel chapter 1 and Ezekiel chapter 10 to see the description of these cherubims. They're unique. And they're going, they made a sound here, and it's going to be the sound like thunder. And remember, when you hear thunder speaks of a coming storm. Even though the scene seems to be at peace, there seems to be a calmness. When you hear a thunder, you know the storm is coming. And so when we see here, the loud, the commanding voice of this living creature says to John, come and see, come. 
And, 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 and we see this man that's going to be on this white horse is coming to depict what is about to happen. And when look what this description that is given to John to write down. He says it's a white horse who sat on it and had a bow. But notice there's no arrows, it's just a bow. It means it has, it has a weapon, ability to, to go to war. And a crown. It wasn't a crown that he is able to possess. It was given to him a crown. That crown in the language is Stephanos. It means like you ran a race. You won the race. You're getting up on the podium. And they give you a Stephanos. Of a victory of winning. You're, you're, you, you've won. You're, you, you, you've ran that race. But this person is not going out to do peace. He's going out to do what? He went out conquering and to conquer. Now many people will have debate over who is on the white horse. They immediately draw their attention to chapter 19. Because in chapter 19 verses 11 through 19. Jesus is also on a white horse coming back to rule and reign. So many will say that the person on this white horse is Jesus. I don't have that view. Why? <laughs> well, I just look at the word and I just look at the study of the word and I can, I'll give you some of the key hits. First of all, the basics of the fact that Jesus just opened the scroll and then he's going to go get on a horse and then and open up and bring that, 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 the initial judgment? And then come around and come back and then open up the next scroll? Because that opening of the scroll is in heaven. Not earthly scene, but a, a heavenly scene. So I don't see how they go. But that's, that's minor compared to this. When you look at chap, verse 2 of chapter 6... Notice the, the, the person on the white horse has a bow without any arrows. But the one Jesus in chapter 19, he doesn't have a bow, he has a sword. That's the difference. The second comparison is the one here in verse 2 wears a Stephanos, someone who was victor in that Olympic game. But Jesus doesn't have a Stephanos. He has a diadem crowns, multiple crowns, diadem crowns. That is a crown of authority and in control. The third comparison is that here in verse 2, he, this guy stimulates war. Jesus in chapter 19, when he comes back in the white horse, he what? Ends war. He ultimately brings peace on this earth for a thousand years. The next and fourth one is here this person brings the tribulation begins. In verse 19, the tribulation ends. Remember, it's a seven-year period. So people have all kinds of perspectives of this, and there's probably two or three other things, but those are the two prominent ones. I stand and believe very strongly that this is not Jesus on the white horse. Why else? I believe this is the Antichrist. I believe this person right here that is depicted is allowed to be open, to allow to go do what he's been waiting to do. And this is the final satanic dictator that Satan will possess this man to actually bring about conquering and conquer. Why? Because this person is given a crown, a permission granted to be able to do this work. Jesus does not need permission. But you see that this Antichrist is going to be used to come about in God's plan to bring tribulation, judgment upon this world. 
And so when we see this final satanic dictator over men, we see that he will be more terrible than all the other previous dictators that we know in our history books. He will rule over men as a false messiah. He will come and be like Jesus in view. People will, he's a false messiah. People will say, did you know that Jesus is coming? Did you see Jesus is coming? And, and there'll be all of these things that we see in the scripture of a false prophet or a false messiah, I should say. And he's going to pretend or imitate Jesus by what? Coming on a white horse. Acting like he's in control and power. Which he will over this world. Because it was given to him. An ability to do it. Because Jesus stepped back. And Satan moved right in. To make sure that this person does take control. But notice here. That this person was just like the very first dictator, if you remember, Nimrod, the ruler over Babel, Genesis chapter 10, verses 8 through 14. He was the predecessor or the one that was an antichrist-like, and we see those world leaders coming online trying to take over and, and uh, rule. So here we see the living creature says to John, come and see. Today, the political and social scene is certainly set for us to see the emergence of this political leader that will come on the scene to bring this world that will go into chaos and bring it into order and everyone is going to be deceived and will follow the orders of the Antichrist and those world leaders who follow him and the nations, and we'll get into later on, the ten confederate nations that are going to rule over this world. Trust me, there's a lot more to cover. But the focus is, is there will be a dominant leader over this world. And that world leader will control you if you're left behind. Not us, we're gone. Amen. We're out of here. It's just that cousin that you've been ministering to that will not listen. It's that brother or that sister of yours that's not listening. It's your neighbor you've been ministering to for a long time. They will see, and what will happen I believe when we are raptured out, there will be a deception and justification why and how all of us all of a sudden disappeared. There will be a deception and people will believe it. Why do you think they're moving things on UFOs and all those testosterone? They're moving the in and weaving it into all kinds of things because they're grooming people to think a certain way. That's how it works. Demonic witches, all kinds of things. They're weaving it in into society to prepare the minds of the people for the deception. When you see these things, look up. But what's stopping this Antichrist coming on the scene now? The scripture tells us very clearly why. The restrainer. The Holy Spirit dwelling in God's people the church is the restrainer. And once the restrainer takes his bride out of here, there is no good. There's, there, there's no, no one, there's no salt, there's no light. It's going to get really dark really quick in this world. And they become people who are absent of God, are animalistic in nature. They act like wild beasts. You see it playing out today. If you are just watching the pictures, if you see them, of what they're doing to the Israelites or the Jews right now in Israel, it's, 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 it's animalistic. It's demonic. And so when you see these things, they're still good in the, we're still here. Wait, wait till we are out of here. 
and there is no restraints. You don't want to be here. And you want to reach as many people as you can with the gospel so that they will have a choice not to be here. So we see here the restrainer. How do you see what scriptures? Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. What does it say? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he, capital H, who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. So when the Holy Spirit says it's time to, we're moving out. No longer going to restrain the evilness. I'm going to step back. Remember, we'll be gone. The Holy Spirit is all all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present. So the Holy Spirit's still here, but doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's going to do anything. He's not going to restrain any longer. But those you've been ministering to, we pray that they will just cry out to God and get saved, which we know there'll be thousands upon thousands upon thousands. Multitude will get saved during the tribulation time frame. But do you think that's going to be easy? You think that's going to be as, as simple now as it is today to be able to give your life to Jesus? The, the Holy Spirit moves among all of us here. The Spirit is moving. But we see here the significantly the first seal open brings this dictator to prominence. That's the first seal. And we understand that the 17th, uh, 70th week of Daniel chapter 9 begins when this dictator will confirm a covenant with the many referring to the Jewish people. Chaos is going on. There's destruction going on. The predominantly there's the Jews in, in Jerusalem. They're looking for someone. This dictator is going to be able to bring, not to use the bow and bring under war to bring people into control. No, 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 no. I don't believe that's going to happen. I think he, they're going to control through money and through health care. Th those two things will control people to do what he wants you to do. And it's through that and the promise of the Jews to be able to rebuild the temple, which we'll get to, is going to be that covenant that he makes when he says, we'll let you um, build your temple and start sacrificing once again. And that's will allow the Jews, being deceived, will follow along. But we know what happens at, at three and a half year mark. Do you know what happens at three and a half mark? I'm not going to say anything because you're going to have to keep coming back to find out what three and a half mark is. That's called the teaser, right? Now you can read ahead and find out. Some of you going, I know I'm going to read today. I'm going to find that out. Good. I'll have you stand up here and tell it next week. How's that? But we see here that the rider of the white horse is a picture of man's last effort to bring in a worldwide reign of order and peace, a, a false peace, a false order, while Christ is still rejected. Because the world thinks they can have world peace. They think they can have peace between the Jews and the Arabs and all the other people. They think they can control because they're going to manipulate it to make that happen. And it will be the world's greatest attempt to pull things together after the rapture of the church that we've gone to heaven. There's going to be complete chaos. And it will be the devil's cunning scheme by bringing in a false or a fake millennium without Christ. We finally got rid of those people who caused us not to be able to bring together this order and peace. Now the Christians are gone. Now we can have world peace. Now we can live together in harmony. This is going to be great. It's a false millennium. Without Christ. So what happens? How long does this happen? Well, look at verse 3. And when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see. And another horse, fiery red, went out and it was granted. Remember, he couldn't do anything without being granted to the one who sat on it to take, what? To take peace from the earth. 
Wait, where's the, where's the bombs? Where's the, where's the fighting? Where's the demonic forces taking people? No, no. He's going to give the ability to go in and take peace from the earth. What happens when you take peace out of the earth? That people should start killing one another. That's exactly what happens when you have no peace. When you take peace out, rage happens within a person. That's why you're raging inside if you don't have God's peace. You're raging. You're going squirrely. You want to solve your squirreliness? Don't get on the medication. Get Jesus. The world, the peace is going to be gone and craziness is going to happen and people will turn on each other and start killing one another. The stronger of the fittest, you know that whole demonic teaching out there? If you're stronger and mightier and bigger this and bigger that and more weapons, you'll survive and everyone with a weak will go and it's just be the strong. Where do you think that ever ends? And there was given to him a great sword. So there's going to be destruction that will happen. Because peace between men and among nations is a gift from God. Did you know that? It's a gift from God and it is not the natural state of relations between men. Jesus kind of seems to talk about this in Matthew 24, 7. For the nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There is going to be a bloodshed. You, you look at, you see what is happening in Africa. And just watching what's in hap- and happening in Africa and the tribes and these rogue tribes and leaders and guns and, and, and pirates and all these things, they're just devastating each other over there in that country because there's no peace. Darkness has is, is just moved over these nations that are just causing infighting um, even among the nations. Do you see the division within our country? When you see these Braxton Hickses, when you start seeing these things, look up. But the authority was granted to this horseman. Directly or indirectly, the judgment of God is coming down upon this age. Now, our current age is marked by war and conflict. I've heard this all the time. Pastor, we've always had war. I got that. We've always had conflict. Got that. Since World War II, there has been hundreds of wars of some kind in the world. Most of people are just tuned out from that. They have no clue what's happening outside in the world. And there are given, there's times, dozens and dozens of armed conflicts taking thousands of lives yearly. And no one even thinking about it and blinking an eye. Millions of babies are slaughtered in the womb. No one even thinks and blinks an eye about it. The nation of the world often spends over $1 trillion in military expenditures a year in these conflicts. Just Again, just Saturday. Look at what the calculated... This is not just a few Hamas and and Hezbollah and a little bit there in the Jordan area. It's just the Gaza Strip. It happens all the time. No, no. These are not just a few Palestinians. This was a coordinated effort coming on multiple fronts from water to sea and air and everything. Nothing they've ever done before. This is not something to pass over, my brothers and sisters. Because it will affect us. World War always affects us. It could be your neighbor who has a Jewish family over there is going to affect you. You need to minister to someone who knows someone. But this is a major attack. And when you see these things, especially against Israel, I've been telling you for years, well, keep your eye on Israel. Why? Because Ezekiel tells us <laughs> why. So we see the very first effort of man down on the world here that we just left going to bring a universal peace apart from Christ, but it it will end in a universal bloody warfare greater than has ever been known and seen in mankind. 1 Thessalonians 5.3 For when they say peace and safety, 
then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Understand what it's going to be like. Verse 5. Now we see the black horse. We see that when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. He's weighing out something. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius. And do not harm the oil and the wine. That is a really amazing little statement right there. But really what this is talking about, the black horse is going to be coming upon this land and he's weighing this out because the scale symbolizes the need for carefully measuring and rationing of food. There's going to be a scarcity across the world. People are not going to be able to find the food. And he gives clear directions here because the barley and the wheat speaks of the food of the poor that eats the barley and the food. And it's, it's going to be the basic necessity is that barley and wheat, and that's going to be scarce. It also speaks to the inflation that's going to happen. Why? Because a quart of wheat or three quarts of barley, depending on what you're buying, is 12 times more higher in price than before. It is a day, a day wage just to get the ingredients to be able to make bread. The inflation is going to 12 times, going to shoot up like we've never seen it before. I say we, not we. We see it about four or five percent. I don't know what percent goes up now right now inflation. It's, it's, it's coming. But when there's a scarcity and you can't get food and things get more costly, you already are seeing and feeling those pinches now in your budget. Because inflation is going. But when you have another world war, what happens? None, most of us here have not gone through World War I and II. So you just read about it. Some of you don't even read about it. <laughs> you got to know the history. Because many times it will teach us and it repeats history. And we see it playing out here. The enemy doesn't have any new tricks. But we're going to see that. But notice the contrast here. Those who can afford the oil and wine preserve that. Why? Because that's those are those are luxuries these are these are what the people who have all the power and the money have they're going to be able to get the oil and wine but the poor person is not going to get that but now verse 7 and 8 when he opened the fourth seal i heard the voice of the four living creatures saying come and eat or come and see so i looked and behold a pale horse a pale horse ashen, yellowish, body function is, is, is closing down. Any of you, you know what that looks like being in the medical world and I've seen it more times than I can count. But it talks about death here, right? So I looked and behold a pale horse and the name of him. This guy is named. Who sat on it was death. And Hades followed with him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. So the last rider that we're going to talk about shows that there will be a tremendous death toll from this dictatorships. The war, the famine, and other calamities. Remember I sowed deception and the war. After war comes famine. After famine, pestilence, diseases. After, it, get, it just keeps rolling. See, our modern age, our current age, has seen hundreds of millions killed by dictators. 
Hundreds and millions. War and famine has set in and killed millions. Yet all of this is going to pale in comparison to the pale horse that's coming. The death toll coming in the wake of this ultimate dictator is going to be mind-boggling. No wonder Jesus said of this time. Matthew 24, verse 21. For then there will be a great tribulation such as not seen since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor shall be. The power that is given to this next horseman, death. And Hades, the grave, hell is right there following was given to this horseman and given by God, allowed by God to be loosed on this earth. And God is still very much still in control. He still holds a scroll. He's still opening the seals. But notice how many people will die in the first three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation. Did you notice it? One-fourth. How many people are in this world today? 8.1 billion. So we're talking about 2 billion people wiped out in the first three and a half years. Let me give you a word picture. Think of all the people in South America. Think of all the people in North, United States and Canada, North America. Think of all of the European area. And throw in Australia, the continent of Australia, that is two billion people. Now, it's not just those countries. I'm talking about two billion across. Keep in mind how many Christians are out of here. But two billion, if it's, again, if you take out the Christians, and I'm only going to keep it from a broad perspective. If it was all a billion, two billion would be dead. That is the level of destruction we're talking about. The wars and the famines predicted in the second and third seals are not unfamiliar events. We know these things. We see these things going around the world today. It's in our history. We've seen it. But never before since the time of Noah has judgment so devastating been consummated here as to destroy one-fourth of the earth's population at one stroke. Horrible. So the tribulation, let's summarize here. Tribulation is a seven-year period in the end times in which humanity, it's humanity's decadence and depravity is reaching its fullness. with God judging accordingly for those who rejected him. We see that the tribulation cannot begin until Christ initiates it and allows it to happen. I'm in the stance that when he opens that first seal, we're gone, we're not here, we will not and do not need to know who the Antichrist is. So stop looking for the Antichrist. Stop it. There's a lot of Christian-y kinds of stuff out there getting all wound up about, oh, that was the Antichrist. And the next, the next president, is he the Antichrist? Come on, know the scripture. We'll get into more of this guy. And the events of the tribulation is going to happen. But it's also during that time Israel will repent of their sin, receive Jesus as their Messiah, and setting up a time of great blessing and restoration. We see that promise in Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 9 through 20, and Isaiah chapter 12, and I think 35 as well, if I remember correctly. So when it comes to the tribulation, in the midst of all the chaos, God is still in control. Did you say that with me? God is still in control. Say it again, God is still in control. And Jesus is in charge of the opening of the seals. 
We have a God of grace, and we also have a God of justice. You cannot separate that. And the sovereignty, the sovereignty that Christ has over heaven prevails, over earth it prevails, despite the inhumanity of a deprived and corrupt society. My brothers and sisters, we see it, do not ignore it. When you see these things, what are we to do? Panic? No. Be afraid? No. Get right with God. Yes. Look up. Yes. Be about his business. Yes. Live for him. Yes. Worship him. Praise him. Glorify him. Because you are a saint and we will be gone soon and very soon. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you again for your grace and your mercy upon us, Lord. And as we ponder on these things, don't let the enemy, Lord, please, don't let the enemy in our flesh start getting any way stirred up that is not of you. If it's conviction, yes, Lord, convict them. I pray they will acknowledge that and repent of their sin now. That means not only acknowledging their sin, but they're changing the way they think and changing how they live so that they don't continue to live in sin. No more fulfilling the lust of the flesh or the pride of life. That these things, your spirit would convict and they would bring them to a point of repentance and give you all the glory and honor and follow you. But Lord, if there's someone here that has not given their life to you, I pray today's the day of salvation. And as eyes are closed and heads are bowed, if there's anyone here that God has spoken to and knows that you need to open up your heart to them and be saved, raise your hand. I, want to, I just want to know who God is touching right now and is saving as you cry out and repent. Just raise your hands. God bless you back there. Anybody else? God bless you. Anybody else want to give their life to Jesus today? Anyone online watching, let me know when God has touched your heart so you can call me. I want to send you something for you to learn and grow in your new relationship with Christ. So anyone else here today? Father, we thank you and praise you. And we pray for that person who raised their hand today. And others may not have raised their hand, but they are certainly have trying out to you. I pray, Lord, that they would boldly follow you now the rest of their life that they'll desire to grow in their knowledge and understanding yes but more important learn to worship you to be obedient to you to be ready for your return and we ask this in jesus name amen